Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Podcast. As always, I thank you for joining me. So in this episode, I will preview the upcoming SEC home series, the last one at home for the year in terms of the SEC, as the Mississippi State Bulldogs come to Baton Rouge. In addition to going over some of the key hitters, the key pitchers, y'all know by now I will give you my three keys to the weekend, the picks for the get right, stay right list, and finally, the series prediction, along with the SEC rundown to wrap it all up. As always, you can find the 60 Feet 6 Inches podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, all the other major audio platforms. If you're catching this on the YouTube channel, please make sure to subscribe, comment. I try to reply to as many comments as possible. And as a reminder, I will be splitting this episode up into two mini episodes um, to be released Thursday morning and then another one again on Friday morning as well. The Twitter account, the handle, as you know by now, at 60FT6INLSUPOD. So if you missed the last episode, I reviewed the Auburn series as LSU drops its first SEC series of the year. They also lose back-to-back games for the first time this year. That, that of course, is available on YouTube and in podcast form as well. So let's get into it. First up, uh, LSU. They won last night. They beat the mess out of Northwestern State, which is great for those guys to get back on the winning ways. And I put out there on Twitter, it was just what the doctor ordered in terms of the hitters. They scuffled last weekend at Auburn, so it was nice to see those guys get back on the right track. I'm not going to do a deep dive into the Northwestern State game. Just know that LSU hit three home runs in a row in one inning. Thatcher Hurd looked good. Blake Money looked good. In the end, they 10-1 rule another in-state team, and they did what they had to do to get right in the midweek. So with that win, that brings LSU to 38-10 and 10 on the year. They are currently 16-7 and 7 in the SEC, which is good for second in the SEC West. Currently, LSU is ranked number two in the country, and they have the number four RPI in the country. Mississippi State heading into this weekend. It's been a struggle up there in Starkville. State is 24-23. and 23. They currently sit at 6-18 and 18 in SEC play. Now, when you look at how State got here this year, remember now, they're the 2021 national champions, right? They went State, then Ole Miss, and then we'll have to see what happens this year. So the state of Mississippi getting their natties back-to-back. State has won two SEC series on the year versus Bama and Ole Miss. And after LSU, the Bulldogs finished with at A&M. That will be a very important series as these guys are trying to solidify their spot in the SEC tournament. They have lost seven SEC games in a row, though. They got swept the past two weekends by Tennessee and Arkansas, and it's been a tough two years since winning the College World Series. They fired their pitching coach a couple of weeks ago, and they're also in danger, as I mentioned, of not making the SEC tournament for the second year in a row. In my preview podcast, I went back and looked. I had those guys finishing at 15 and 15 in SEC play. Obviously, I was way off base with regards to that prediction. Let's take a little look at some SEC stats for LSU and Mississippi State. So as a reminder, as I just mentioned, I focus at this point in the year, I focus on conference games only because I think that's who you have to judge yourself against. And if you're LSU, when you go play in a regional, hopefully a super regional in Omaha, you're going to be playing competition akin to the SEC. So why not judge yourself against those metrics right now? LSU is third in batting average at 278 in conference action. They still are top four in a ton of hitting categories, even after that rough weekend on the Plains last uh, weekend versus Auburn. LSU remains second in slugging. They are first in on base percentage and second in hits. 
when you look at Mississippi State, they kind of on the opposite side of that coin there towards the bottom in everything. Now, this is SEC games only now. They're 12th in batting average at 253, 13th in hits and runs. And they actually have the least amount of strikeouts in conference action, which is kind of surprising when you look at their hitting statistics. But they put the ball in play a fair amount. It just hasn't worked out for them, which is weird to me, right? I didn't think they would be that bad of a hitting team in conference play. When we get into it, though, they have some very good hitters that the obviously the pitching staff is going to be aware of, but you as fans should be very cognizant of this weekend as well. LSU is averaging eight runs per game in conference state, about five and a half. State has hit the third most home runs in SEC games. LSU is right on their heels as LSU has hit the fourth most home runs. If you want those numbers, State has hit 43. LSU has hit 42 home runs. And then the last hitting stat that I will hit you with, no pun intended, LSU is tied for first in getting the leadoff hitter on base in conference action. State is 13th. So they don't do a good job of really generating a lot of runs by getting the leadoff hitter on base. So it makes a lot of sense when you look back at their hitting statistics, right? They don't hit for a great average. They have trouble scoring. That's a lot of a could be traced back probably to not getting a ton of leadoff guys on base as well. Another weird stat, I've kind of gone away from the gold-plated money stats this year, but this is just, I don't know if this means anything, but in doing some research, I just found this odd. Mississippi State is the only team in the SEC that has grounded out more than they have flied out in the whole conference. I don't know if that matters or not. I don't know if LSU's defense can be put to the task because they hit a lot of ground balls. I just felt that odd, and hey, look, I wanted to share that with you. On the pitching side of things, this is where things go from bad to worse for Mississippi State. The Bulldogs are last in team ERA at 9, golly, at 9.67. That's horrible. Obviously, their pitching coach paid for that with his job. LSU is seventh, if you're wondering, because a lot of people complain about the LSU pitching staff, me included at times. LSU has a team ERA in SEC games only at 6.06, which is good for seventh. So right there in the middle of the pack. State is last in batting average against, as they are allowing opposing hitters to hit 305 off them. They are last in walks allowed, but they do strike out a fair amount of hitters, and they have struck out the fifth most opposing hitters this year, while LSU still leads the conference in that metric. In terms of fielding percentage in conference games, neither one of them are good fielding teams. LSU is 10th, and the Bulldogs are 12th. So potential for a lot of errors, a lot of unearned runs, and a lot of extended innings this weekend in Baton Rouge. The last pitching stat I will leave you with, Mississippi State's pitching staff allows the opposing leadoff hitter to reach base 43% of the time. So if you've been following the podcast all year, we just said that, and I've harped on this before, right? Just kind of paid attention to leadoff hitters that get on. And this is kind of how it was last week against Auburn, but it just didn't come to fruition. So LSU is tied for getting the having the high success rate in terms of getting the leadoff hitter on. Mississippi State's pitchers do the worst job in terms of allowing leadoff hitters from the opposing team to get on. State allows a two-out batting average of 312, which is bottom two in the conference. Once again, music to LSU's ears as they continue to lead the conference in two-out RBIs. Now, when you look at some key hitters and pitchers, I really think the hitters stand out to me. And regardless of their record, as I mentioned, they have three or four guys that you really have to be aware of, potentially more. But three or four guys, when I go through the scouting report, I know they were there last year. I previewed them in the um, uh, the SEC preview pods, and it's just guys I would highlight right off the bat. 
The first guy is a transfer from Sanford, and he has done fabulous this year. I heard a lot, read a lot about him. People were excited about him coming to the conference this year, and he has lived up to the hype. His name is Colton Ledbetter. He plays center field for those guys. He is hitting 318, which leads the team. He has 11 home runs, 43 walks, and only 28 strikeouts. So a fabulous job of him getting on base. And when he gets on base, he is not afraid to run as he is 17 for 18 and stolen bases this year. Colton Ledbetter is going to hit, I think he's going to hit two in the order, probably. Somebody you have to keep off base. Following him in the lineup is going to be their power guy. His name is Hunter Hines. By far the biggest power threat in that lineup. Hines is hitting 313, so just off the Ledbetter 318 average. He leads the team with 22 home runs, which is actually top five in the country. So massive power threat from Hines, 57 RBIs, but he does have 54 Ks though. So, right, big swing and miss guy, but he can run a ball out the yard in a hurry. Kellum Clark, another veteran guy for state this year. He's going to be an outfielder. He hits in the middle of the order as well. Clark is hitting 302 on the year with 10 home runs. And to me, he's a solid veteran player who's been through the battles and the wars in the SEC. And uh, obviously, he is on, I believe he's a senior on his last leg, so he's going to fight with tooth and nail. But Kellum Clark, somebody to be on the lookout for as well. Another guy that's really burst onto the scene lately, and when you look at him, he looks like he should have a helmet and pads on because he looks like an SEC running back. That's how this young man is built. But freshman Dakota Jordan, he's fun to watch if you're an opposing team, not a lot of fun to face. So he has really just burst onto the scene. I don't know if you all saw what they call Super Bulldog Weekend at Mississippi State, but they play at Ole Miss in for the series, and he hits a walk-off home run. They run all the way out to the center field. Dak Prescott's there selling out. It was a really cool scene to see. Obviously, none of us are, you know, just a cool scene to see from the outside and, and having uh, that young man just go nuts on Super Bowl the weekend. That's when they set the uh, national attendance record for the largest watch regular season college baseball game in the country. All right. Oh, enough of that. Dakota Jordan. Massive power. So when I talk about power, think Jared Jones type power in a freshman's body. He's hitting 297 with eight home runs. And I've seen some highlights of this year. When he runs it out the yard, I mean, he's run balls out 430, 440, 450 this year. So he can absolutely swing it. And he's moved into the middle of that order as well. And then finally, the last guy I want to highlight is transfer Amani Larry, second baseman. He transferred from UNO. He had a great year last year for Blake Dean and the Privateers. And since moving over to the SEC, Larry is hitting 294, and he has more walks than Ks. And he's towards the bottom of that order. And the problem with Larry, just like Ledbetter, is when he gets on base, he can fly. He is 19 of 21 in stolen bases this year. So you're going to have two guys that can run, Ledbetter and Larry, one at the top, one at the bottom. The power guys, Ledbetter can run it out the yard, but you really got to highlight Hunter Hines, Kellum Clark, uh, Dakota Jordan. I know Slate Altford. Alford, excuse me, can run some out the yard, but he's hitting around 230. I really didn't touch on him too much. Also, um, two other freshmen along with Dakota Jordan that have popped up on the scene recently is shortstop David Mershon, little lefty leadoff guy if he starts. And then you finally have catcher Ross Highfield, who's not hitting for a great average, but he has eight home runs on the year in his freshman campaign. Now, flipping the switch to their pitchers from Mississippi State, and it's really been mostly the same guys all year, except their ace, Cade Smith, did go down with an injury, 
but now he has bounced back. He was out for a couple of the weeks. And look, I got burned last weekend when I predicted Auburn's pitching lineup. I thought Tommy Vale, the lefty ace, would throw on Friday against Skeens. But uh, Auburn did really a smart move, right? They were playing chess, not checkers, as they decide not to waste Vale against Skeens, which was a smart move because Skeens was dominant. And so they moved him to Saturday to face up with Ty Floyd. And if I had to guess, I would imagine State's going to stick with what they've been doing, okay? So that means I predict, I don't assume, I just predict State will start right-handed pitcher Cade Smith, who was the race, who did get hurt, but he's back now. Smith, seven games started. He is one and two with a 5.62 ERA, 32 innings pitched, 28 hits. He does have 33 Ks, but he also has 19 walks as he continues to round into form. Going back and looking at some of the stats, he has thrown very well in three of the last four SEC outings. I'm talking like six innings pitched, four or five hits, one or two runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. That's kind of been his average line the last three or four, three out of four SEC outings. So he is in a little bit of a heater. Saturday, I think State will throw Memphis transfer right-handed pitcher Landon Gartman. They were high on him in the preseason. Obviously, he's done what he's supposed to do. I highlighted him in the Mississippi State preview podcast all the way back in February. Gartman does have a high ERA, though, right? 7.25. He is 2-3 and three on the year with 11 games started. Gartman has thrown 49 and two-thirds innings pitched, 51 hits, 25 walks, 47 Ks. Okay, so it looks like he's a little bit of a contact guy. He can strike guys out, but he's also given up a lot of hits. If you 11 games started for Gartman and only 49 innings pitched, 49 two thirds. So he's right about four and a third innings pitched per outing, which is not great. So if you're LSU hitters, you really want to get in state's bullpen this weekend. A good way is you got to get Gartman out the game on Saturday. And then finally on Sunday, I'm really interested to see this kid throw. Uh, He kind of took college baseball by storm, being an unbelievably talented kid as he's ambidextrous. He throws, you know, I think he throws mid to upper 90s with his right hand, his low hand, he's low 90s. Uh, He's done it, thrown right and left in both games. So if you haven't seen this kid pitch, um, go back and watch some highlights because it's crazy. Now, he is a freshman, right? And he's had some freshman growing pains, and his stats bear that out. But on Sunday, I would imagine State will start freshman. Ambidextrous pitcher, Iran Hello Sencha. And I don't think I'm saying that right, but Urangelo uh, Sencha. Okay. 11 games started for the freshman, three and four record, 7.2 ERA, 45 innings pitched, 59 Ks. So very impressive by that young man. More Ks than innings pitched, but he does have 32 walks. So 45 innings pitched, 59 Ks. But man, he walks a lot of hitters at 32. In terms of their bullpen, look, they have some guys with some high ERAs, but they also have some guys with some really, really good stuff and some high-velocity guys. And I'd imagine LSU could see a bunch of these guys throughout the weekend just due to the nature of Mississippi State's pitching staff. But I missed on Auburn. Auburn had bad pitching stats going into last weekend, but it seems like they figured that one out. So I kind of got burned on that prediction. You know, Auburn has really turned the corner with regards to South Carolina and LSU. But when you look at State – I would imagine guys like right-handed pitcher Nate Dome, 15 appearances. He has the lowest ERA on the staff at 3.76, 47 Ks in 40 innings pitched. So he's been a really workhorse out of the pen this year for State. They also have right-handed pitcher Casey Hunt, 
who leads the team in appearances at 20, but his ERA is astronomical, right? 10.02 ERA, 45 Ks, and 32 in a third innings pitch. So Casey Hunt definitely has swing and miss stuff. Right-handed pitcher Aaron Nixon has kind of acted as a little bit of a closer, it seems like. 1.76 ERA, so fabulous by that young man. 13 appearances, two saves, 20 Ks, and 15 innings pitched. I guess I made a mistake, so it looks like Nixon leads the team in ERA, and Dome is right behind him. Uh, two more guys I want to mention, right-handed pitcher Colby Holcomb, who can extend as well. 32 and a third innings pitched, uh, 27 hits. He does have swing and miss stuff as well, and 44 Ks for Holcomb. And then finally, a, a lefty out the pin, freshman lefty Brock Tapper with 13 appearances and 18 Ks. So an inning or two from him, it looks like, on the year uh, per outing for Tapper. All right, moving on here at the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. Let's get into the three keys for the weekend. All right, don't roll your eyes. But my first key, look, this goes without saying, but to me, last weekend was the straw that finally broke the camel's back. Don't yell at me in the car or in the office or wherever it is. I know the pitching has been bad, but they've gotten by with it, right? But it broke the camel's back last weekend. Outside of Skeens, to me, the whole staff has got to throw more strikes, right? That's not breaking news. It's not a hot take. Very obvious. But when you've won every series up until now and you've gotten away with it in a sense, it hasn't cost you in series until it actually did against Auburn. And that also coincided with a rough weekend for the hitters as well. I don't know if you all had a chance to listen to Patrick Coogan and Matthew Musso on the live stream we did against Bama a couple weekends ago. And then I had Doug Thompson on after the Kentucky series. But both of those guys did an excellent job in breaking down the pitchers. And they really just talked about a mindset from a pitching perspective, no matter who it is. Attack the strike zone early in counts. As a pitcher in college baseball, you cannot be afraid to miss over the middle of the plate. Okay? You can't be afraid to get hit. You have to be aggressive. You have to have an attack mindset on every pitch. That way, if you miss over the middle, we just hope that it's down. If you miss over the middle, you hope that it's early in the count. They also have the ability to flip in breaking balls or change-ups for strikes. Okay, when I say flip in, I mean almost like a get-me-over curveball. 0-0, 1-0, maybe even 1-1 at times. There's been too many times where you see 0-0 curveballs or sliders, and they're in the dirt or in the other batter's box. Then they try to throw it again, and it's the same thing. They should be able to, if they miss that bad, they should be able to, by now, in their college careers, correct their release point and get that pitch in for a strike. They don't have to live on the corners with every fastball that they throw. It's been proven. You've seen it from other SEC pitchers, okay? The Vail kid, the lefty from Auburn, was a great uh, example of this. 88 to 90, 91, right? He's like a 1990s ace. That's who the aces were. That's who that's who he reminded me of. 88 to 91 from the left, average breaking ball, a little slider, and he just got guys to chase fastballs up in the zone, and he challenged the LSU hitters, okay? The LSU pitching staff should do the same thing. You don't have to throw strike one on the black, and half the time they don't even give you the black anymore. Just throw strike one on the outer third, okay? Throw your two seam down the middle and let it move to the outer third. That way you can get 0-1. Just be aggressive in the strike zone. State's going to swing, all right? But they do have some hitters that are going to take walks. 
And I think the way State stays in the series this weekend is if you put runners on base and then you bring up Ledbetter, Hines, Clark, Jordan, guys that can run the ball out the ballpark, all right? The second key for me this weekend, maybe by now the shackles are off, right? Part of the pressure has been relieved on this LSU team. They lost a series. You aren't number one anymore. You got run rules, okay? So you got humbled a little bit. Not a bad thing. If they weren't playing pressure-free, which I doubt that they were, I hope a lot of that weight has been lifted off their shoulders by now. Remember, these guys are trying to rebuild the program in a sense, right? They're trying to get back to Omaha. They don't really know how to get past the Super Regional. These freshmen are trying to learn how to win at the collegiate level at the same time some of these veterans are learning how to win or they've been thrust into new roles, right? They're learning how to perform under pressure. They also haven't been used to taking everybody's best shot every weekend, right? Just because you have LSU on your chest the past two or three years, you're not the number one ranked team, okay? Now that you are, you're going to get everybody's max effort. People are going to heighten their focus and concentration against you, and they're going to give you their best shot for nine innings. Now they're also learning how to perform under external and internal pressure, whether that pressure is real or perceived. And saying all those things, hopefully now uh, you can move on to statements like, look, we're going to go all gas, no brakes right now. We're going to empty the tank. Maybe they have, quote, unquote, something to prove now. You can apply those sayings if you want now, and maybe that fuels them for the remainder of the year. But to me, a key for this weekend is after all that stuff that happened in Auburn, one, they're still a very good, very good baseball team, okay? Hopefully they can just relax. Look, school's out. Exams are over. All they have to worry about is baseball, coming to the ballpark, hanging out with their boys, coming together as a team. And I'm sure they had some talks between themselves last week is, how do we move forward? We haven't been playing great baseball, haven't been playing good in all three phases of the game. Okay, how do we move forward together and nip that in the bud? Because it is uh, getting late early. Okay, SEC is wrapping up SEC tournament. And before you know it, the College World Series is going to be here very quickly. And if they want to get there, they just have to turn some things around and start playing more consistent collectively as a team. The third key for the weekend. Can't let last weekend I said you couldn't let Ware and McMurray beat you. And I don't really think that they did this weekend. Right. State is a uh, desperate team, okay? So you can't let Ledbetter, Hines, and I'm going to pick Larry beat you. I know Kellum Clark and Dakota Jordan have some pop, and Hines is your biggest power threat bar none, top five in the country in home runs, right? You cannot let Hunter Hines hit three home runs this weekend. You can't let Ledbetter go six for 11 with three stolen bases. The same with Amani Larry, okay? He can't go three for seven with four stolen bases and four walks. That's just a recipe for trouble, all right? Larry's going to be at the bottom of the order. You can't let him turn the lineup over with walks and set the table for um, Ledbetter and Hines and those guys, okay? So when I look at scouting reports and who I would highlight, those guys, and I think that's my last key for the weekend for the Tigers. All right, who makes the get right, stay right list here on the Mississippi State Preview Podcast? Now, the couple of these guys have been struggling, all right? He's on the list again. First up on the get-right list, Gavin Dugas. Now, on the year, Dugas is hitting 307 with 12 home runs, 28 walks, and 44 Ks, as his Ks have really been creeping up the past couple weekends. Look, in the last nine SEC games, he is 5 for 33. I misquoted that on the review pod for Auburn. Nine SEC games, Dugas is 5 for 33. That is 152. 
14 Ks in that time span. Almost a third of his Ks have come in the last nine SEC games. I still think there's some lingering issues with his shoulder. I've been saying that. You can definitely see that in the field. But lately, and against Northwestern, you saw him take some hacks. But that sucker looked like it was pain-free, and there was no hold barred on those hacks. All right, He just offers to me so much at the top of the lineup, his ability to get hit by pitch. We know his ability with regards to power is he can run one out the park and lead off games with home runs. And I think he does a great job of getting Morgan Cruz and White up to the plate when needed. So, Gavin Dugas, we need you to get right this weekend, baby. Jared Jones, we need you to get right as well. Now, Jones is hitting 333 on the year with 14 home runs. Fabulous year for the freshman, okay? But he does have 59 Ks, which lead the team. In his last nine SEC games, Jones is only six for 31, and that is only a 194 batting average. We know he has power, and he goes in spurts with the strikeouts, right? He may have a hat trick one game. Friday night, per se, but then Saturday and Sunday, he draws one or two walks, and they come at big times, all right? I would just love to see him at this point in the year become a little more consistent, and he's always a power threat, but between the home runs, you'd like to see him maybe get another double in there, another um, single or two, right? A sack fly to drive in a run. Jared Jones, need you to get right, and then finally, I hate putting this guy on the list, but I think last time I put him on the list, he went nuts. I also realized Dylan Cruz, one, he's the best hitter in the country. Two, against Alabama. After that weekend, he was SEC Player of the Week. But he's been scuffling a little bit. When you look at Auburn, I don't think I've really seen him pop the ball up as much as he has lately. Okay, So it hurts me to put Cruz on the list. But maybe I put him on the list, a little reverse psychology. He kicks it back into gear this weekend. He's hitting 463 on the year with 13 home runs. Look, his on-base percentage is 609, which is freakish. And um, the lineup just clicks better when he's off. Now, sometimes he's been a little off, maybe in a Friday-Saturday game, but then on Sunday, right, he goes three for four with two or three RBIs. But last weekend, it was definitely the whole weekend, okay? And I think that really helped contribute to the team being off from a hitter's perspective. So I hate to do it, but Dylan Cruz, we need you to get right this weekend, Big Daddy. On the stay right list, right? So if Cruz is struggling, this guy has picked up the slack all year. Tommy White, a.k.a. Tommy Tanks, has been an absolute dude. If you take a second and you look at his stats, his stats are probably better than you even think they are, whoever's viewing or listening to this podcast, okay? All Tanks is doing is hitting 379. He leads the team in doubles with 17. He leads the team in home runs with 16. This is I recorded this uh, kind of in the middle of last night's game, okay? He leads the team in RBIs with 75. All right. He's racking up the RBIs tonight. Uh, I checked. And during the game, he was second in the country in terms of RBIs. But he's also played three or four less games than the guy leading the country because he had that shoulder injury. OK. 379, 17 doubles, 16 home runs, 75 RBIs. And he only has 20 Ks on the year. He's been the perfect complement and the perfect protection for Dylan Cruz all year. And he's going to need to keep up that consistency for the remainder of the year. Stay right, Tommy White. Hayden Travinsky, you need to stay right, big guy, and keep pimping bombs out there. He's been a massive breath of fresh air the past couple of weeks after Brady Neal went down with an injury. Malazzo and him have been sharing time, but Travinsky has been going absolute nuts. He hits the game-winning home run against Ole Miss, massive home run against Bama, massive home run off the scoreboard against Auburn 
fabulous pimp job. And then he just hit one a little while ago against Northwestern State as well. He's hitting 355 on the year. And to me, he's been more than serviceable defensively. I don't think he's as good as Malazzo, but he looks like a leader back there and somebody that the pitchers really trust. He's also a big target. Always like throwing to bigger guys back there. I love his confidence right now. He's comfortable with two strikes. And I'm hoping for a big weekend from Travinsky. You stay right, Big Daddy. Finally, the last guy on the stay right list, Thatcher Hurd. He has looked refreshed to me since his move to the back end of the bullpen a couple of weeks ago. Look, I have no idea what his role is going to be this weekend. I don't know if he stays in the back end of the bullpen. He started against Northwestern State tonight and threw the ball pretty well. I don't know if they're going to move him into the Sunday role because you know he can start. You know he can extend. But I would hate for him to lose that uh, confidence and uh, maybe a little bit of that comfortability he's developed at the back end of the bullpen. Look, Hurd over his last four appearances, nine innings pitched, four hits, two runs, two earned, four walks, 13 Ks. I mean, if he could give you that in a start, even half of that, that would be fabulous, okay? So his velocity looks good. His slider looks better. He looks aggressive. He looks confident in terms of his mindset and his body language on the mound. So I can't wait to watch Thatcher Hurd pitch this weekend. And you, Mr. Hurd, stay right as well. All right, let's get into the prediction here for the Mississippi State Series on the 60 feet, 6 inches pod as we begin to wrap up. LSU needs to get back on track a little bit. I just think it was an off weekend, mainly from the hitting side. Look, I know the pitching kind of is what it is this weekend, right? And it was not a good look. They lost their first series, but um, I really struggled in doing my prediction to think about when they played a complete three-game series all year. I'm talking about hitting, pitching, fielding, uh, all of that. You know, they've had bits and pieces, and lately the pitching's just been sliding and sliding and sliding in terms of their performances besides Skeens. So it's really time. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but, I mean, it's getting down to uh, the nitty-gritty here to where they got to start playing complete games. Now, is it good enough to get by Mississippi State if they play an incomplete series? Yes, but let's think big picture, right? Think regionals. Think about beating the two-seat. Think super regionals. You're looking at, you know, possibly playing another SEC team like a Tennessee or maybe even a South Carolina if they continue to slide. Okay, or then you have a team maybe from the ACC, all right, like a uh, Virginia or somebody like that. So think big picture, okay? LSU staff outside of Skeens wasn't great. We all know that. And Jay Johnson said as much this week. And it looked like he said they were going to take a deep dive into definitely some roles needed to change. I don't know if those mean in terms of the starters or he gets used out of the pen, but I think you need to go with the hot hand. They do not be need to be afraid to throw guys back-to-back days. As long as it's, you know, and they're they're almost overly cautious, right? They're not going to throw a guy back-to-back days if he's thrown, like, more than 30 pitches. And I can understand that. But I think they shouldn't be scared. If those guys are hot, it's okay if they throw another inning on Saturday, if they throw an inning on Friday. They will be just fine, I promise. Mississippi State's a dangerous team. They're a desperate team in terms of that. Uh, they need some wins to get in the SEC tournament, as I already talked about. And regardless of what their record says and their pitching stats, they have some hitters that can hurt you. And we learned Auburn had bad pitching stats. State's got terrible pitching stats. That doesn't mean they can't put it together for one weekend. I think LSU's hitters are going to get back to their usual ways. And State does have some good arms. I just don't think it's good enough to hold the LSU offense down for two weekends in a row. Therefore, I'm calling for LSU to take two out of three games from Mississippi State this weekend at home in the last home SEC series 
for those seniors. I really wanted to call a sweep this weekend, but with the issues and continued inconsistencies after Skeens and some of the up-and-down performances of guys in the pen, I just couldn't do it. I definitely think there's going to be one, if not two, um, slugfest, and LSU's just going to have to figure out a way to outlast State, probably in one of these games, and I just couldn't do it, right? I want the sweep. I think they have a very high likelihood of sweeping, but I'm just going to go a little conservative here and say the Tigers take two out of three from the Bulldogs. All right, wrapping up here on the 60 feet, six inches LSU pod. Let me get you caught up and run down with the SEC series this weekend. Really good series, really tough to pick, and some very important series as we only have two more weekends left in conference action. Starting it off with a bang, baby. Vanderbilt at Florida. Florida lost the series to AM last weekend, I believe. Vandy's been up and down. They lost the series to Bama. I got the Gators getting right. The Gators take two out of home from the Commodores. Kentucky is streaking. So is Tennessee. This is going to be a great series uh, in Knoxville. I think the Vols stay hot against a very good Kentucky team. And I think the Vols hold them down as I don't think Kentucky has great pitching. I think the Vols take two from Kentucky. Mizzou is hosting Georgia. I'm going to take me, excuse me, give me Mizzou in an upset, right? Georgia can swing it, but Mizzou is oddly tough at times. So I think Mizzou takes two at home from the Bulldogs. A&M and Bama. Uh, I like Bama coming off the coach firing, right? They probably pulled together as a team. They're probably really close. Um, took the Vanderbilt series last weekend, so they're feeling really good. They battled LSU hard two weekends ago. I got Bama taking two on the road in College Station. I got Auburn to take two in Oxford as Auburn is streaking. State is, excuse me, Ole Miss continues to scuffle. And then finally, another marquee series as the struggling the quote-unquote number one team in the country, South Carolina Gamecocks at one time, they are struggling. They just lost another midweek game uh, tonight. I think the Hogs will take two out of three at home in Fayetteville against the Gamecocks. So that's going to do it for this week's preview episode of the upcoming series versus the Mississippi State Bulldogs as they travel to the box. As always, thank you all for tuning in. Reminder, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, the account is at 60FT6INLSUPOD. As y'all know, the podcast, all major audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the rest. Be on the lookout for the Mississippi State Review Pod. If um, family doesn't get in the way or if you know rain doesn't uh, delay the series, we'll try to go live for this one. As we had a really good response after Alabama, we just couldn't make it happen last weekend against Auburn. So, Details to follow on Twitter. But as always, until next time, y'all, please stay safe out there. And always, go Tigers.